Happy Father's Day. Can you read with me what it says there in Proverbs 20 verse 7? The righteous man, what? Leads a blameless life and... Who do you think this passage is referring to? This righteous man who leads a blameless life. Fathers. This morning I have, if you give me the latitude, I have entitled this morning's message, The Faith of a Father. <laughs> the Faith of a Father. Truth be told, Pader. Okay? Pader. Why? Pader in Tagalog is a wall or a column of the house. If you have a weak column, the whole house could collapse. It is, it is thus essential and non-negotiable that the father of the house is steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. The father of the house is the thermostat. And it is his responsibility to set the temperature of the family. You're not just a thermometer. You are the thermostat. It is dependent and incumbent upon the fathers to set the temperature. Not to just read. The temperature. That's the role of a thermometer. But fathers are supposed to be the thermostat. As the father goes, so does the rest of the family. Do you believe that? Another whopping, encouraging reply. Yes. <laughs> that is why that passage in Proverbs says what it says that the father who leads a blameless life is what the children are blessed after him this is not going to be a feel good message this morning because fathers we have a big responsibility we can delegate but never 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 abdicate do you know the difference so let's pray as we begin our time through the worship of God's word father God we thank you for the reminder in the book of Proverbs that we as fathers as a matter of fact all of us Lord as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should lead a righteous and blameless life so that the people who watch us the people who will Follow us, Lord, will receive blessing upon blessing, not because of who we are, but because of who you are in our lives. We commit this time to you, Lord God. I confess that apart from you, I have no right to be on this platform, Lord God, to preach your word. Only by your Holy Spirit, Lord, may we listen to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Because it is Father's Day, and we are on the book of Genesis, we will still be on the book of Genesis. But this time, we're going to do a flashback. We are going to read from Genesis chapter 22. 
Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, Here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham. And he said, Take your family and all that you have and go to this land I will show you. So when God called Abraham, he didn't know where he was going. But Abraham obeyed. God promised Abraham, Abraham, you are going to be a father of a great nation. All nations will be blessed through you. There was only one problem. In Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham, he was 75. 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, was beyond childbearing years. Her womb was dried up. How can you be a father of a great nation? Left, left alone, father of even one. So you appreciate Abraham's dilemma? But what did he do? He obeyed. Abraham was 75 years old. When he and Sarah had their first child, their one and only child, he was 100. Daig pa Viagra. 75. You will have a son at age 100. You get it? How many years did Abraham wait on God, wait for God to fulfill his promise? 25 years. Have you been waiting on something? Have you been praying for someone? And it's been months, and the months become years, and maybe the years are becoming decades, and yet God seems to not be answering yet? Are you waiting on God? Are you waiting for God? Or are you beginning to take matters into your own hands? Look at what it says. Verse 2, he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Did God promise that Abraham will be a father of a great nation? And what is now God asking Abraham to do? What? As a what? So what, what does that mean? You're going to kill your son. Your one and only son. Your one and only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now, how is God going to fulfill His promise if the only means for having a great nation and all nations being blessed would be through Isaac, my one and only son. 
Are you tracking with me? Now what does it say? So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. You like to be tested? Are you eager to be tested? I hope not. I don't like it. You like to play golf? Completo na yung dito na si Pastor Danny. You like to play golf? Yes! What if your tea time is 6 a.m.? That's the only tea time that you have. What will you do? You'll wake up early. You will dress up early. Your golfs are already in the car. You might even be sleeping with your golf shoes on. Why? Because you're eager. You want to do something. And because you want to do something, you will do what it takes to prepare. Yes or no? Abraham, take your one and only son whom you love, Isaac, and offer him back to me as a burnt offering. So what did Abraham do? Let me check my iPhone. When is my next available schedule? What did he do? Abraham rose early the next morning. I submit to you, friends, Abraham was eager to obey God. Because if he was not eager to obey God, let's see what time I'll wake up tomorrow. And then when I wake up, let's say, oh, wait, I have to prepare breakfast. I have to feed my flock. Then I will go. Not so with Abraham. Look at him. He rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his men with him. And Isaac, his son. And what did he do? He split the wood. He already prepared. He didn't bring logs. He already split the wood. For what? He brought the split wood for the burnt offering and arose and we immediately went to the place God had told him. He was eager to obey. And what was God asking him to do? Sacrifice your one and only son whom you love. Offer him back to me as a burnt offering. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw the place from a distance. How long was the journey? Huh? If you know that on a certain time, you will have to kill your one and only son to offer him as a burnt offering back to the Lord. What would you be thinking those three long days? I don't know. I don't know what Abraham was thinking. What would you be thinking? And then finally, on the third day, this is the place. This is the place where I'm going to offer back to God my one and only son whom I love. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering 
laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the knife, the fire, and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Did Abraham leave anything to chance? What do you need for a burnt offering to take place? You need wood. Did he have the wood? Yes. What do you need to complete the sacrifice? You need the? Knife. You have wood. You have the knife. What do you need for a burnt offering? You have fire. Did Abraham already have the fire with him? Everything needed to complete the sacrifice he already prepared for. He already prepared for it. Why do you think that Abraham left nothing to chance? May I submit to you that for Abraham, this was an act of worship. He said, I and the lad will go over there and we will worship. And what? Do you see all of his what he's saying? I and the lad. We will go and we will worship. And then what? We will return. But how can that be? If the we after the sacrifice is going to be an I. Abraham his focus was to worship God. He said, you two stay over there. The lad and I, the boy and I will go up. We will return. And what we're going to do up there is what? Worship. Now remember, Isaac was not like a toddler. Many of us have this mindset. Oh, wow. So small, no, maybe two. Three, maybe even four. Then you come. If that is true, how can Isaac carry the wood? Do you see it in the passage? And he got the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac. We do not know exactly how old Isaac is by this time. But he is big enough to carry the wood of the burnt offering on his back. Probably 12? Early teens? I don't know. But he is not like a small toddler anymore. Right? The mindset of Abraham is to worship. Now, he took everything. Isaac was carrying the wood. The two of them walked together. Again, what could they be discussing? What could the conversation be like? Did Isaac ask, Dad, why this mountain? Dad, what's going on? Would Abraham be able to answer directly? Like, like, like last week, that honesty is the blessed policy? What could the conversation have been like? Abraham, focus on God, did not leave anything to chance. 
because his heart and his mind where he was he was going to worship God. And he told these two young men, stay here. These two young men, I don't know what their role was. Could they have been his support group? Could they have been the two witnesses that will later on come back and say, you know my boss, he went up with his son. He said they were going up to worship. And then they came back. And then he told me what happened, etc., etc. I don't know. Could they be just, you know, his helpers? Because he was already old? I don't know. But picture in your mind the scenario going on. And as they were walking in verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, do your kids uh, talk to you that way? Tatai, dad, some American kids, they call their fathers by their first name. Yes? Hey, Joe, you bringing me to school tomorrow? Hey, Joe, you got my lunch money ready? I don't want to be waiting. I'm going to be late. My father, right? my father, the son, the one and only son whom the father loves, who is about to be sacrificed, is walking with, his, with the wood on his back. My father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You see, Isaac could not really be a small toddler. He knows. He's, he is aware that the elements needed for worship of God to proceed is fire, wood, and the sacrificial lamb. So he says to his father, fire is here, the wood is here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I would assume from the statement of Isaac that he would oftentimes see his father offer a burnt offering to God. That he would see his father Abraham offer worship unto God. That's why he knows the fire, the wood, they're here. But we need an offering. Where is the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. What was the question? Where is the lamb? And what was the answer? God will provide for himself. Not just that God will provide. God will provide for himself. Because who is the object of worship? God. And the burnt offering, the sacrificial lamb, is offered to God. Look at the faith of Abraham. 
Faith is the certainty of things not seen. Yet Abraham can say, God will provide for himself the lamb. That word or that phrase, God will provide, is one of the names of God. God will provide translates or means Jehovah Jireh. Those of you, you know, long tooth in the, in the faith. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, my God shall supply all my needs, my needs, my needs. You remember that song? Yeah, oh, yeah, ayan na Very encouraging kayo talaga today. Yes. 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 God will provide for himself, Abraham says. Jehovah Jireh. Ma? Huh? Look at the look at the look at the honesty of the conversation. Dad, everything needed for everything needed for the sacrifice is here except the lamb. God will provide for himself. And they still continued with their journey. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood and bound his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham even brought the rope. We didn't read it in the earlier verses, but how could he bound his son without rope? So who is supposed to be the burnt offering? Isaac. What did Abraham build? An altar. An altar is a place of worship. He didn't build a bonfire. He built an altar. A place of worship, a place of offering to the Lord. In your Abraham, in your following, obediently following each and every step that is required for the offering to proceed. What could you as a father, the emotions, the thoughts that are going in your mind at this time. Time is nearly come. The wood is here. What could the conversation be? Isaac looking at his father. Dad. Could Abraham have been crying while he was tying Isaac? Could Isaac have been crying back to Abraham? What did I do? Why am I going to be slaughtered? What is the eye contact that this father and son had? As Abraham took his son Isaac and put him on the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his hand. God, you better do something. If you are going to do something, you better do it now. 
So he raises his hand with the knife and he's about to slay his son. God, here we go. And just at the right time, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. A couple of weeks ago, Brother Adrian shared with us about idols. Abraham had one son, the son whom he loved dearly. The son whom he waited for 25 years. The son whom he raised. But just at the right time, God intervened. God is seldom early, my friends. But he is never late. Do you believe that? Yun, medyo mas malakas ng konti. He is never late. He is on his timetable. Many times while we're waiting and waiting for God, what do we do? We interfere with God's timetable. And then what happens? It becomes worse. It becomes a bigger problem than it was before. Why? Many times we want to help God. We don't want to trust God enough that in His good time and in His good pleasure, everything will come to pass. I know that you fear God. How? Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Don't kill the lad. Don't do anything to him. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his tall horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Where was the ram? Behind. He was so focused on what he was going to do that he, you know, the surroundings didn't matter to Abraham. Like that old hymn. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. His face was on God. God, I'm going to obey you no matter what. And then just at the right time when the angel of the Lord tells him, do not touch the lad, he becomes cognizant of his surroundings. And lo and behold, behind him, I passed it. I didn't even see it. So he takes the ram, which was caught in the thicket by its horns, and he sacrificed it to God as what? As a burnt offering. Did the offering to God proceed? Yes. Why did he proceed with it? Don't kill the son. Yes. Why? Why must there be an offering? Look at Deuteronomy. Before I go there, look. Abraham went, took the ram, and offered him for a burnt offering. What? What? 
in the place of his son. So instead of the son being sacrificed, the ram was sacrificed. Yes? The worship, the offering still proceeded. Why take the ram? Just go home. Everything's good. God said there must be a burnt offering. So the worship of God should proceed. So the ram was offered in the place or in the stead of his son, Isaac. My friends, when you and I come to worship, we must have an offering. We do not come to worship to be entertained. We come to worship to meet with God. And any time and every time that we meet with God, we must have an offering. Why? Deuteronomy 16. 16. Three times in a year, all your males will appear before the Lord your God in the place where he ch which He chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths, and they shall not appear before the Lord, what? Empty-handed. To worship God means it's going to cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you money. Sometimes it will cost you relationships when you're the where the only the follower of Jesus Christ in your household. It will cost you business opportunities sometimes. Especially when you choose to close on Sundays, etc., etc. But you and I must have an offering of worship unto God. And may I suggest... A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Every time we come to have an encounter with God, let us go to God with an attitude of giving, attitude of worship. Not, okay, I have complied. Not, okay, what are you going to give me this Sunday? But Lord, what can I give back to you? So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. What does it mean the Lord will provide? Je wow, excited na excited talaga. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. That is what he called that place. The Lord will provide. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. And I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed me. So, By myself I have sworn, the Lord says. A contract or a covenant, both parties must sign. Both parties must swear. But when God says that by Himself He will swear, it's unbreakable. There is no other party involved. God is taking it upon Himself and Himself alone to fulfill the covenant. Therefore, there is no way 
that it will not go through. Because if it is between God and man, there is a possibility of the other party messing up the covenant. But he says, by myself, by myself, I have sworn. Because you have not withheld your son, your only son. You have not withheld him. This one and only son whom you love, you have not withheld from me. And God reiterates the promise that he first told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He repeats it. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham passed the test and his reward is that he will be a great nation. And why? Because you have obeyed my voice. My friends, there is no shortcut to blessing. If you are disobedient to God, don't expect to be blessed. If you are obedient to God, you can expect to be blessed. Just make sure that your motive is to obey God and not get the blessing. You understand what I'm saying? I love God. That's why I obey God. The reward, the bonus, is that I get the blessing. Now, why do you think Abraham had this mindset? Why do you think he had this determination and focus? Well, the book of Hebrews tells us, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering his only begotten son. Right? It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. So the blessing was not going to come through Ishmael. The blessing was going to come through Isaac. Yes? He considered, meaning Abraham, he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So Abraham is saying, if God can take away life, he can also give it back. So if I am going to kill Isaac, he can raise Isaac back. Because God promised to me that the blessing will come through Isaac. My friends, Abraham knows God very well. That he could go through the excruciating torment of picturing in his mind for those three days. Walking with his son up the mountain. Bounding his son. Putting him up on the wood with the fire. And about to slay his son. But God is faithful. Don't touch the boy. I promise to you. That through your son. Your one and only son Isaac. Will come through the blessing. And his faith was in God. That even if Isaac was going to die. God can raise him back to life. Will you and I pass the test? If we were put in that situation, will you and I 
pass the test. This morning, we have the privilege of listening to our brother to share with us his encounter and what the Lord has promised in his life. asking her, Katie, are you okay? Because she was breathing so fast. The heart, the heart the respiratory rate was so fast. And she would look at me and say, do you want me to call the nurse? I would tell, ask her. She would say, no, no. She would say, I'm okay, I'm okay. She would just nod her head. Are you okay? Are you okay? Yes. But she would, she would endure. So that's our daughter. I, I, I realized that she is so, so strong.
a person who loses someone from the womb, from the firstborn, na the moment you you give birth to a, a still child, or the moment na a few days the child is gone, or one year, or three years, five years, seven years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, fifty years, the pain is the same. I realize I cannot compare. I cannot compare it because I know the pain of losing someone or having that burden in your heart is the same. But it doesn't matter. Now I realize, totoo pala yun, it's the life that you live. father of uh, two wonderful kids. I'd like to tell you a story today that um, ends with not the happy ending that's ideal to um, testimonies. Today I'll share you how I'll share to you uh, when God said no. Okay. Um, so how does a little boy train to be a father? Um, for me it's by observing his own father of course. That's the best training school, in my opinion. I grew up with a father who was gentle but firm, who um, spoke little but said much, selfless and always thought of us. But most important, or importantly of all, I saw my dad love my mom in sickness and in health until my mother succumbed to cancer on December of 2015. But nothing can prepare you enough for the real thing. When our daughter, Caitlin Soleil, came into our life in 2012, it was uh, my entry to fatherhood. The sleepless nights, the poop changing, the want to capture all the milestones, the reading up and applying of how to raise girls, and so much more, were all part of the journey of being a father. Above all these, we started to introduce Katie to Bible characters. Interesting enough, today's message on Isaac and Abraham was one of them. Together with Adam and Eve, Noah's Ark, Moses and the Red Sea, Jonah and the Big Fish, and David and Goliath. These were some of her favorite stories to read. Eventually, we introduced Jesus to her and told her who he is and what he did for all of us. So together, my wife, we learned to be intentional with our daughter. We taught her the silliest things to, the, uh, to having little responsibilities that help her to become independent. I listened to her more, and together with her mom, we always addressed her heart. We never sugarcoated anything with her, nor did baby talk with her when she grew up. We treated her as how we would want to see her as an adult, generous, kind, thoughtful of others, and most of all, um, love Jesus. 
Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7 says, Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. So in short, it's like 24-7. So by the way, I'm a professional photographer by profession. And seeing the kind of family um, I had, a loving wife, two adorable children, a thriving career, a comfortable and content lifestyle, it was, may not be well composed all the time, but it was picture perfect in my eyes. Okay, shift. On New Year's Eve, we brought Caitlin to the ER for a comprehensive blood, blood workup, skin excision biopsies, bone marrow aspirations, and other tests. For two months in the hospital in Manila, the doctors couldn't diagnose her condition. All kinds of tests at different levels were done and repeated not only twice, but even thrice. We had around 33 doctors from different hospitals combined, yet still could not come at a diagnosis. All possible possibilities were mentioned, HLH, intestinal bowel disease, LAD, leukemia, and so on. We decided to bring her to Singapore, and there also they had a difficult time diagnosing her. Doctors couldn't treat her because she didn't have a diagnosis, so we saw her body slowly deteriorate to flesh to bones. Transfusions were from once a week, turned to every three days, and reached to even every day. Approximately more than 90 IV lines were on her arms, hands, legs, foot, and even more than 100 plus extractions. She would have an 200 to 800 ml per toilet break of diarrhea for 10 to 15 times a day. So approximately about one to four liters of Coke bottle. But every episode didn't seem difficult for her. It was a miracle that God sustained her. Her blood results were expected for her to bleed with a platelet count of three, when the normal range is around 150 to 400. And yet she didn't bleed. Results expected her to be bedridden. But Katie would sit up, would try to walk, to paint, to color, do her workbooks with her mom, and study. Doctors were amazed at how she has been consistent from the start and how she never made a tantrum when procedures were done. In everything, she didn't struggle. They didn't even have to sedate her uh, for scans. Or even when she had a skin excision, where she felt every bit of the blade on her arm. She didn't cry. When the doctors broke the news that we were officially diagnosed with a rare type of blood cancer called JMML, it's a juvenile myelomonocytic leukemia, our new hurdle was to raise approximately about 15 to 20 million pesos for all for all the treatment, for the transplant, and for uh, to cover existing hospital bills. We were running dry. We were so tempted not to give our tithe to the church so we could use the money to pay off our hospitalization bills. 
But we firmly trusted God and decided to still give our tithe. So two days after we gave our gross income to the church, we started to receive random donations. And until the very end, money was never a concern. God is indeed so big, He sustained us. We were bold to share our journey online as a family as we always tried to find Jesus in every situation we were in. As God placed us in different hospitals, we saw this as a place to share Jesus. We made sure Katie understood to think of others instead of oneself, even if she needed all the help that she could get. In all three hospitals, Star Wars, Stormtroopers came in and helped Katie distribute gospel tracts, books, and a letter of hope to other kids who were sick in her ward. Despite our lack of funds, we shared a bit of our blessing to those families that needed financial help also, as, uh, as we did. We felt God in every step of our journey, even to another country. He took care of all our needs. He brought people in to bring us food like every day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, pillows, blankets, everything we needed without even asking. We were surprised by the uh, influx of people helping us raise funds. Our main desire was that in every event, fundraising event that um, they put up, like a cinema um, house, a movie, mar a movie showing, photo marathons, benefit dinners, dance classes, cycling events, merchandise and music events, they didn't just gather, fun gather, gather funds. Everyone who attended those events heard the gospel. Katie didn't fear what would kill her, nor did she fear death. We imparted Jesus in because in him, she will be safe, even from the fear of death, because God holds eternity in his hands. During the last um, hours prior to the intubation of Katie, her mom read a last book to her and prayed with her and said to her, Katie, when they intubate you, you will fall asleep. You might not be able to open your eyes immediately, but you might hear me. So press on my hand when you hear me. But when you don't, I need you to look for Jesus because I know he will be waiting for you. Call his name and shout his name and he will come. Do you understand? Mommy and Daddy loves you very much. Tell Jesus you need help with your lungs, but if Jesus wants you to come with him, just go with him. Do you understand? Mommy and Daddy loves you very much. So just be outside the door, okay? And then she nodded. She would press on her hand. A few, day, a few hours later, her oxygen level just kept on dropping. We struggled in prayer, pleaded, and surrendered Katie to Jesus, like Abraham. You know, we were waiting. We were saying in the other room, God, do something. Do something, please. The doctors came to us and said, it's not looking good. Even a ventilator could not hold up her lungs. So we decided to let her go. Among anyone in that room, it was Jesus who wanted her to be healed the most. But God said no to the miracle that we wanted to happen here on earth. His ways are different, and for that, we remain to trust him in his goodness. 
At both wakes in Singapore and Manila, we got so overwhelmed by the number of people who came. Hundreds of people were crying, singing, and praising God. People shared how Katie impacted their lives. Marriages were restored. I met a, a father who came up to me in Singapore, and Singaporean, who even followed me like where we were eating. Just came to me, hugged me, and said, you know, because of your... Uh, your story. I went back to my wife. I became intentional to my kids. And now they're going to church. And then, you know, I just cried with him. And uh, and there's so many other stories that uh, we've encountered. So many ter- turned their many that turned their back on God decided to praise God and make Him the Lord and Master. And the list would go on. Our daughter's death was not in vain. It's not in the length of time lived on earth, but how you live it. I would prefer that she died at three and had the impact so big because of her obedience and trust in Jesus rather than she die at 40 with an empty funeral home. During Katie's battle, there were only two things that were important to her. Number one, how it was important to be with mommy and daddy. Number two, how a simple piece of cracker was enough as a reward. It's the same for us. That in this battle of living, now without her, we choose to delight in our Heavenly Father and look towards the reward that God has prepared in heaven. God continues to sustain us. Death was never easy. But continuing to live life every day, missing her honestly has been difficult. Every moment when we cry and feel so much pain, We say out loud, Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, I love you more than Katie. In the most difficult times, I wanted wanted clarity, but God wanted my trust. And that he is sufficient and that he is with me. There are three things that we learn from this life's pain. Number one, Jesus loves me more than most. Number two, he is enough. And number three, I will pursue him until my very last breath. This was Katie's verse throughout her journey. Now it is a reminder that he loves us, sustain us, and restore our joy. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you, and he will not abandon you. Every day we are more and more embracing the fact that there is more to death than sadness. Our joy of knowing she is with Jesus and we will see her again. Heaven indeed is real and a beautiful place, an actual city. Our tragedy is a beautiful triumph for many. But that despite of the pain and loss, we still choose to love and serve Jesus. First Samuel 12.24 says, Be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve Him. Think of all the wonderful things He has done for you. We like this recent article that someone wrote about Katie and really captures well what uh, the life she lived. And I'll just quote it. In the three years that Katie lived on earth, she lived the the exact life of influence that God wanted for her and the life that God desires for all believers the life of a champion, the life of a history maker. She is our little David who just 
with one stone knocked out not just one Goliath, but a whole lot of them. Since today's message is about Abraham and Isaac, let me read apart from Katie's Bible storybook that always, we like this so much because it always pointed back to Jesus at the end of every story. And it reads like this. Abraham and Isaac. Imagine them, they're on top of a mountain. As they sat there on the mountaintop, watching the embers of fire die in the cool night air. The stars above them sparkling in the velvet sky. God helped Abraham and Isaac understand something. God wanted his people to live and not die. God wanted to rescue his people and not punish them. But they must trust him. One day, someone will be born into your family. God promised them. And he will bring happiness to the whole world. God was getting ready to give the whole world a wonderful present. It will be God's way to tell his people, I love you. Many years later, another son would climb another hill, carrying wood on his back. Like Isaac, he would trust his father and do what his father asked. He wouldn't struggle or run away. Who was he? God's son, his only son, the son he loved. The Lamb of God. So nothing can be more painful than to see your child go ahead of you. I imagine Jesus when he even at his deepest time with his father as if this cup can be passed from him. But he said, if it's your will, let it be done. I can only imagine what God felt when he saw Jesus go through the journey on the cross. In the world's perspective, the loss of Katie would weigh more than what was gained from it. In God's perspective, it was the total opposite. Yes, we still do feel the pain. But whenever we shift and focus our hearts to Jesus and surrender every single day and say that He is enough, we see the beauty of God, God's no to the miracle we wanted, and embrace what is given. And that is a testimony that doesn't end with death, but rather a testimony that is alive. And that will continue to move through fathers, to mothers, to families, and individuals. For our daughter's life here on earth may be all done and mission accomplished, but we are still here. And as Joshua says in chapter 6, verse 15, as for me, and my household, we will serve the Lord. So thank you. I am JJ Lucas, a, hu a husband, proud, proud father of Katie. And we are here to testify that Jesus is alive. No pain goes to waste. And Jesus loves you more than most. And challenges us to live for him while we are still here on earth. Thank you. I don't like the test. But if God allows it, we must be willing to trust God. You see, God told Abraham, go to the mountains of Moriah. 
And this is a picture of present-day Moriah. And I just expanded it a bit so that you could see what present-day Moriah looks like. If you'll notice, there is a golden dome. It is called the Dome of the Rock. This is on the Temple Mount. This is for our Muslim brothers and sisters. This is their most sacred site. This is the most contested site in the world. Close to it is this rock formation. And what does it look like? Do you see the outline of a skull? Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. You see, in Genesis 22, 2, God told Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And God, speaking of his son Jesus Christ in Matthew 3, Behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Abraham loved Isaac. God loved Jesus. God loves you. In Genesis 22 verse 7, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Who is going to be sacrificed? Who is going to be offered? And Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And when he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You think it was easy for Jesus? He said it a second time. He went away again a second time and prayed saying, Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Abraham said to Isaac, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And 1 John 2, 2 tells us, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Isaac is a type foreshadowing of what Jesus Christ the only difference is the death of Jesus Christ pushed through for while he was on that cross at about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying Eli Eli lama sabachthani that is my God my God why have you forsaken me for 33 years, he lived on this earth, the Son of God, taking the form of a human being, rising up as a tender shoot, as Isaiah says, only at the very last hours before he gives up his life, he no longer calls God his Father. He now calls him, my God, my God, why 
Have you forsaken me? It was at that time, brothers and sisters, that all of our sins laid upon Jesus Christ. And as a father, knowing that what his one and only son would go through for you and for me, could not bear to look at his one and only son whom he loved. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we, the sinners, might become the righteousness of God in Him. And as generations and generations would pass through the life of Isaac all the way through the birth of Messiah, God reminded Abraham of His promise, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And Paul writes in Galatians, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed. God provided the sacrifice for Himself to appease His anger at our sin. The question is, have you ever completely and solely put your faith in Jesus Christ? I say completely because God wants our complete heart. I say solely because some of us still have a toe or a foot in religion rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of us say that Jesus Christ is my Savior, but we don't represent Him as Lord of our lives when we dabble with sin. Have you ever completely and solely put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we let the Holy Spirit of God have complete freedom in this place. Wherever you are, examine yourself. And if you haven't yet done so, Will you, turn, will you tell God that you're turning away from your life of sin? Will you tell God that you're turning away from relying or depending on anyone or anything else, on any other religion, aside from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you'd like to, only if you'd like to, because the God does not force you, then invite Jesus to come into your life. By faith, offer a prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I acknowledge that only you died on the cross to completely pay for all of my sins. 
I solely trust in you for my salvation, Lord God. And I turn away from my sin. And I ask your Holy Spirit to change me from the inside out. To make me the kind of follower of the Lord Jesus Christ that you want me to be. And Lord, even give me the boldness to share about Jesus with anyone and everyone in every and all situations, Lord, to declare Him as Lord. Perhaps you already have Jesus in your life, but are not so completely surrendered to Him as Lord. You might want to recommit your lives this morning. Not merely just say the words, but really do it. Because it took the life of Jesus to save you. Our God and our Father, thank you for being the Father that you are and that you would like to be to all of us. Thank you for providing for yourself the sacrifice of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, whom you love. And through his death on the cross, paid for the penalty of all of our sins. And as he is resurrected, Lord God, we too can look forward to an eternity with you in heaven. God, do not allow any one of us to take this truth for granted because it took the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you for loving us as we are. And thank you for your commitment to not keep us as we are. That through discipleship and the study of your word and encouraging fellow believers around us, Lord God, we can live a victorious Christian life and be a living and breathing testimony to the people around us. We lift up to you, Lord, JJ, Felice, and Ethan, their son, and we pray for them that you will continue to strengthen them, Lord, as they declare that as for them and their house, they choose to serve the Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the three years that you've entrusted Katie to them, that you use that very painful and dire situation, Lord God, to spread the gospel even more. I remember Doki and Adrian, Lord God, that you have allowed Hannah, their daughter, only 11 hours on this earth, Lord God. And I pray for them, Lord, that you will strengthen them as well. And I again pray for all the fathers here and all the mothers here that we will disciple our children, that the father will disciple their wife, that the, both parents will disciple their children and they will get involved in the discipleship group, Lord, that they can be discipled and they can disciple others as well. Father, thank you for our time of worship. Thank you that you are our Father and you are our God and Jesus is our friend. We give all glory and honor back to him, Lord God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. Glory to God. Now, we took a little time, we, more than what we do, but because of the generosity of our sister, Cora Lagat, we are all invited to lunch. After your discussion questions, the lunch will be on my right. The, the VBS is still going on downstairs. So if you would like to partake of the lunch, it will be outside on my right, which is your left. 
for the discussion questions we have this morning. What are your spiritual strengths and weaknesses? Can your family depend on you as their pillar of faith in times of testing? And lastly, how can your D group help you strengthen your faith?